Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. We've been very fortunate to have some inspirational people on our podcast. Today's guest is most definitely one of those, and I have no doubt listening to him will both inspire and energize you. We'd like to welcome Jack Rutter onto the Golders podcast. Jack had a life-changing experience as an 18-year-old about to sign his first professional contract at Birmingham City. 11 years later now, He is a retired international athlete, a Paralympian, and is now England's under-21 cerebral palsy head coach, as well as being a mentor, a motivational speaker, and ambassador for several different companies. Hiya, Jack. Welcome and thank you for being with us this afternoon. Hi, Keith and David. Absolute pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for asking me to be on. Absolute pleasure. So, Jack, to us, Goldust is sprinkling particles and knowledge to help people for the greater good. What does Goldust mean to you? I couldn't agree more, Keith and David. I think it's all about helping others going through life's struggles and tribulations and passing on those experiences to help others on their pathway too. Um, I think a, a quote that always springs to mind is a New Zealand All Blacks quote about leave your shirt in a better uh, place than when you found it. I couldn't agree more um, in the sense of your life. Um, always try and have a positive impact on people um, and help them on their journey too and pass on any experiences to help them um, to achieve their dreams too. That for me is golden. That for me is gold dust. Brilliant. Well, Jack, your journey of, of into football was like many other boys and girls. Can you just share with us a little bit what it looked like for you? Yes, of course, David. Um, my mum actually used to tell me this story all the time. Uh, she said when I was a four-year-old, I had way too much energy, uh, to say the least. Always running around the house, breaking things, falling off the sofa. I'm sure you were the same as well, David, with Keith. Um, and she said, Jack, you need to find somewhere to put this energy into. And I remember running into the living room one day and there was a game of football on the telly. And she says, I just stand still in my tracks Eyes go wide awake and I'm just like, what is this? This looks absolutely incredible. And Manchester United were playing, the team that I've gone on to support for obvious reasons. Obviously, watching them in the 90s, they were very successful. So I was a bit of a glory hunter, if I'm honest. Um, but supporting Man United from that minute, the way that they passed the ball around, um, the way they played the game, the passion in the stadium, I was just hooked. And there was actually one player playing that day who truly inspired me to take up the game of football. And his name was Eric Cantona. Doesn't really need any introduction to any football fan, but just the way he used to carry himself on the pitch, a real talisman, a real maverick, the way he used to wear his collar up and celebrate those amazing goals that he scored. And as I said, I was just hooked to the TV set, truly inspired. And I was very lucky that at four years of age, I'd found my main passion in life. Um, So I said to my mum at four years of age, mum, I know exactly what I want to do when I'm older. I want to be a professional footballer. 
So I got a football that Christmas, didn't put it down, finally found a positive place to put that energy in, worked really, really hard, did well in local football, did well from a school team, uh, ended up playing for Bristol Rovers as a kid, then Cardiff, and then got a big break, and I signed for Birmingham City Football Academy when I was 10 years old. So that's how I got involved in the game. Oh, what a story, Jack. Four years of age and Eric Canton and being your, your hero. Now, you mentioned about football uh, and that career path with, obviously, there's quite a lot that we can share and cram in here, but you were formerly on the books of Birmingham City, and I'm sure you'll share with us part of that journey, but your dreams of being a, a Premier League player were ended in 2009 when you fell victim to an unprovoked attack whilst on a night out. Can you share with us, not the experience, but from there on in, what happened in your life? What did you do next? Yeah, it was a, it was a real struggle, Keith. Um, so obviously I was assaulted on a night out, unprovoked assault. I suffered a double fracture to my skull. Um, I severed my cochlear nerve, which means my right ear is completely deaf and suffered some brain damage as well. So I had some really bad problems with my, my balance and my coordination, especially moving sideways and backwards. And obviously hearing on the pitch became very, very difficult. And obviously heading the ball was now a danger for me, having suffered such a serious head injury. So I really, really struggled physically um, with my impairments following my brain injury. And also my brain just didn't seem to work the same at the time. So things like my memory, uh, my fatigue levels were really, really bad. My emotional control it was obviously awful as well. And I used to get terrible neuro fatigue, which I still struggle with at times and um, to this day, almost 13 years on from the assault. So it was a really challenging time for me. I had to retire from professional football before it had even begun. And uh, it was a really traumatic time for me and my family. And I was suffering physically and mentally. It was very hard to come to terms with a brain injury, um, which not only ended my career in professional football, but led to me having bad problems with my, my brain. Um, but also problems with my mental health, anxiety, depression and anger. So following that horrible experience, it was a tough time for a number of years, Keith. David, just sorry for interrupting there. I've got another question there, Jack, just preceding all of that. Can you give us a little bit of a, what life looked like for you as a young player playing at Birmingham? Give us an overview of what that was about so that the listeners can get a, a real depth of understanding of where your life was prior to that incident of course so signed for Birmingham City is as I said at 10 years of age spent eight years at the Birmingham City Academy obviously playing against all the big teams playing against Manchester United and Arsenal and Liverpool testing myself against the best teams and the best players in the country 16 signed a scholarship for Birmingham moved up to Birmingham played every day got paid to play I always say that's probably the, the first big big uh, moment in terms of trying to become a professional and signing his scholarship and training every day and watching the other pros play and seeing how they go about their business and obviously testing yourself every day against 16, 17 year old, 18 year olds, reserve team players and first team players. And that's exactly what I did at 18 years of age. I clocked up 37 appearances for the reserve team. I captained the youth team on many occasions, and we were just about to play in the FA Youth Cup semi-final against Liverpool at Anfield. And all being well, it was looking like I was going to sign my professional contract for Birmingham City. So that's where I was at in my life, literally two weeks away from playing against Liverpool at Anfield and hopefully 
signing that professional deal was when the assault happened. So it couldn't have been worse timing, if I'm honest, Keith and David. Awful, awful timing. Um, and it was a real, real challenge for me at the time. Um, but obviously, I'm sure we're going to go on to what I've managed to do since. Um, it was a real big test um, and I had to find a way um, to overcome that adversity, which we all do in life. We have to find a way to overcome challenges and pass tests that we're prevent, uh, presented with in life. Well, after the realisation that professional football wasn't going to be the chosen profession, what came next? Was it college, university, etc.? What did you do? Oh, uh, <laughs> all sorts of things, David. Um, I had a bad time at home, really, because I used to bump into people that I knew from football or school and they'd always ask me, oh, what are you doing now? You're still playing football. And I had to have that conversation every day about how I'd actually retire and had a brain injury. And it was quite traumatic talking about it at the time. I used to get very, very upset and very frustrated, always being reminded of what happened. So I thought I had to get out of there. So against all of the doctor's advice against Headway, which is a brain injury charity's advice, my mum's wishes. I went travelling. I did. I went travelling by myself, got on a plane to Australia. And it was actually an opportunity to sort of be a new me in many ways and not be somebody who had to talk about all the bad things that happened. I could be anybody I wanted. And that gave me a sense of freedom. Um, I could go and explore new opportunities. And I felt a bit of happiness again for the first time in my life following that brain injury. So did a bit of travelling around Australia uh, New Zealand, Hong Kong and Thailand, which was really great. Um, and then I actually went to university at Nottingham Trent University to study a sports degree. Um, but then come another, another challenge, if I'm honest, I couldn't access the course because of my brain injury. I was finding it really hard um, to remember things and then access the course and put it onto paper in essays and, and exams. So I had to stop going to university as well which then led to um, me having problems with, with alcohol and going out too much and drinking and not doing the right things. Um, I was too scared to tell my mum that I couldn't access the course and didn't want my friends to really know back home. So I was going down a slippery slope at that point. Um, and it was awful to look back on now how much I was drinking and what I was doing to my body. You know, I felt like I'd lost my purpose in life, lost my motivation. And that's when I'd say probably 2011 to 2012, um, I was at my worst with my mental health. It wasn't going too well for me um, at all. Um, and I didn't know really what I was going to do at that point in 2012 until, obviously, I'm sure we're going to go on to in a moment, uh, CP football or Paralympic football came into my life. It's obviously traumatic times, very unsettling. Uh, if you like, having a, your chosen profession taken away from you. But during this period of uncertainty in your life, Jack, can you remember any defining moments when you decided it was time, where you really felt it was time to get your life back on track? Yeah, I can think of two two big moments, Keith. Um, one was was it while well, I was in Nottingham, um, and that was in 2012. And a lot of my friends were finishing their university degrees, and I think we went out. I think 28 days in a month. And um, it's crazy to look back on now. I don't know how I did that, um, but we did. And obviously it was coming to an end. And, you know, my friends were still going back home to um, take on the next part of their life and start careers that they'd worked so hard to, um, to get involved in. Whereas I wasn't really going back to anything. I wasn't going back to a job or a career. Um, I'd quit university. I wasn't coaching football at all. I didn't have a job to go back to. I didn't have a degree because I'd obviously failed my degree. So that was a that was a sort of moment in my life. That I look back and said, I've got to sort myself out. 
I've got to find a way out of this. I've got to stop with the drinking, stop going out. I've got to find my purpose again. Um, and I touched a little bit with, with CP football. I found out a little bit about it um, through Nottingham College, um, East Midlands team. But I hadn't really understood the opportunities that there were for me in that sport. Um, so I thought I'll go back home. I'll start training again. I'll start looking after myself in the gym, access that support from headway again, and obviously get my mum to obviously look after me as well. Um, but I always thought that you know, an opportunity may come along. I didn't know where it was going to come. Um, like I said, I only sort of had a brief moment with CP football, a bit of training, a few tournaments, but it was actually sat at home. Um, in my in my bedroom, it was just after the London Paralympics had just finished, the best Paralympic Games I think there's ever been. And I actually got a phone call from a from a guy called Jeff Davis. Um, obviously you know him, Keith. He used to obviously run disability football at the FA, and he rang me and he said, Jack, we want you to come for a trial with the England CP team. We've seen you done well for the East Midlands team. Wants to come for a trial at the brand new state of the art facility, St George's Park. And I remember like sort of holding my tears back on the phone, trying to you know, keep check of my emotions and not break up on the phone. I was like, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, but it was quite hard to do that. And that was like a light bulb moment in my life. And I thought, wow, this could go to something. I can play for England. I can play for Great Britain. And that's when I started doing a bit of research. And I found out I could go to play all, all these tournaments and it could really give me a springboard to, to get back to what I, what I was meant to do. And that's play football and, uh, and achieve a lot in this life. So, yeah, those two big moments are defining in my life, without a doubt. Well, Jack, you... From there, you've done things that probably most people could only dream of. Um, so you eventually played for, for England and Great Britain for five years. Two world championships, one European championship, and you even captained Great Britain. After watching them in the 2012 Olymp Paralympics, you captained Great Britain at the 2016 Paralympics in Rio. What was that experience like for you? And... What has playing CP football allowed you to do? It was just an unbelievable experience. Uh, five incredible years, as you've said. You've done your research. That's always nice. Yeah, World Championships, European Championships. But the icing on the cake definitely was in, was in 2016 at the Paralympic Games. It's now the third biggest sporting event in the world, you know, playing in front of 15,000 people, millions watching around the world. So, you know, they're the dreams that I thought were totally gone in my life following retiring from professional football. So to experience them and get a second chance to get back into the game that I loved and captain my country on the world stage was just absolutely incredible. And it's really helped me to overcome what had happened to me and come to terms with my brain injury and say, okay, what happened to me was, was quite bad and challenging, but every single person in this world goes through different challenges and tests and you have to find a way to overcome those challenges. And that's when I realised that, when the opportunity came along and nothing was going to take it away from me the second time around. I worked tirelessly to improve my balance and coordination. I was trying to be the best captain that I could be on and off the field, taking up opportunities to be in adverts and deliver my speeches and mentoring programmes, helping others. And that's what I'd say the biggest thing is that's come out of playing for my country. It's given me a platform to help others. Um, whether it's doing those motivational speeches, that, those mentoring programmes, ambassadorial roles, charity work, I now have a real sense of purpose in my life again. And that is helping others. 
Um, so CP football has given me so much. It's given my confidence back, my self-esteem back. And I now feel like the old me, but in many ways, probably a better version of me. Um, I'm not, I don't think as, as single-minded. I'm a lot more open-minded now, willing to take on new opportunities. And as I said, I found my purpose now, and that is, is in helping others. So I can't thank the FA and CP football and the Paralympics enough for the opportunities they've given me on and off the field of play. When with CP football, when you compare it to the game that you played prior to, what are the differences? How different is it? And how, what was the adaptation period like for you? Uh, it's, it's fairly different in some ways, but football is football. You've still got a pass, you've still got to shoot and tackle and run. Um, but obviously, the, the sport is, is seven aside. The pitches are a bit smaller, so they're almost in depth, 18-yard box to 18-yard box and not quite as wide. But one big thing was that there's no offsides. So that was quite hard to, to come to terms with a little bit. I wouldn't say I was doing the old Arsenal, Tony Adams and running out, playing people offside, but I had to get used to it. I was like, why is he on the end line as a bounce player and how is he not offside there? So getting your angles right was, was a bit of a challenge to begin with. But as soon as I got round that, I actually found it was a really enjoyable, entertaining game to play. In the build-up, it's quite quite similar to um, 11 aside in some ways. When you get into the final third, though, I would say the best way to describe it, it's like futsal. It's like futsal, so lots of rotations, combination play, bounce players, little overs and skills in and around the box to get shots off. And the Ukrainians and the Russians are unbelievable at it. It's key for no, they're the two best in our sport and we're hoping to try and catch them at some point, the English boys. But yeah, that, those are some of the, the things to get used to in the sport. But one thing I'll always say is physically... It was so demanding. I mean, the pitch is massive, really, for seven aside. I think they should probably condense this pitch size. Absolutely huge. But I would say I had to be physically fitter to play in central midfield in seven aside football than I did in 11 aside football because of the vast distance you're covering. You know, you're protecting your back two in the defence and then you're supporting the striker and wingers and it's just non-stop transitions and, oh, it's tough, mate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad I've retired now because that was, that was tough going, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jack, uh, listening to the energy in your voice and the 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 vibrant the vibrancy behind everything that the the words you're using, but what does it do for you now being able to speak so openly about which they have been life changing experiences? It helps me so much, Keith. I think you know I had a really really awful time with my mental health. I'm open enough to say that now. Anxiety was probably my worst thing because constantly worrying what I was going to do with my life. Um, you know, how was I going to provide for a family, buy a house, buy a car, all these things that we all want to do as adults and obviously depression because of what had happened. And you're no key from working with me. I had, a, I had a few issues with my anger as well. I used to get very frustrated and get a bit angry now and again. Um, but just playing football and releasing that, that energy in a positive way again. And obviously, captaining my country and achieving so much on the field of play. And then now, being able to talk about it, be so open and honest, it's really, really helped me so much with my mental health problems. And just that buzz you get from, from helping people, it's, it's second to none. Um, I always remember one of the first speeches I did at, at a village hall in Chesterfield. I think it was about 2014. And I basically just read off a piece of paper. I had a few bullet points and I was really nervous. My hand was shaking. I was red in the face, sweating. 
And I thought it was absolutely awful. I'll be totally honest with you. I thought it was terrible. I thought maybe this isn't for me. On the drive home, I got home. I was, you know, going around in circles with, a, is this for me or not? But I got home and I actually got a message on, on Twitter from a boy at the primary school. And he said, Jack, thank you so much for sharing your story. I found it really inspiring. And thank you so much for coming up to visit my school. And the lift it gave me, it made me feel like 20 foot tall, way better than probably any goals ever made me feel that I've scored. So ever since that moment, I was like, right, I need to get better at this. I need to work out how I can deliver my message in the best way possible and learn off others in that way. But I've now got a sense of purpose in my life again, and that is helping others. So, yeah, some amazing moments along the way. Um, and I think it's definitely helped with my mental health problems. And now I absolutely love helping other people, um, whether that's my mentoring, coaching or ambassadorial work. Well, Jack, just listening to you there again, it's just, you're just so energetic. You, you, you know, you, I'm feeling your words. There's lots and lots of uh, take-home messages here, but you mentioned something earlier on, and I've, I've registered that. You mentioned Edway. Now, who is that? What are they? And anyone who are in similar situations uh, to yourself, uh, what is it that they do to help people like yourself? What is it? Who is Edway? <laughs> so Edway are a brain injury charity which help victims of brain injuries and their family um, come to terms with life after brain injury. So I'm now an ambassador for them. It's crazy enough. Um, but they, they came and supported me after my brain injury. They came to my home and helped me come to terms with, with things and said about you know, problems with my fatigue and my memory and my emotional control. They were also there at the end of the phone for my mum as well. Um, because it tore my family apart what happened to me my mum and dad split up and uh, my brother's autistic he's got Asperger's syndrome so he found the changes difficult and my sister was doing a, a law degree at the time she almost failed her degree so that burden on my mum was was immense so to have headway there to come and have sessions with me and help me and for somebody she could talk to as well about things that I was doing well and things that I needed to improve was invaluable to her and to me and in, in improving so they're an amazing charity which help people up and down the UK and obviously any Anybody who suffered a brain injury should access those local centres. And it was actually Headway who introduced me um, to CP Football originally. Um, they were the ones who actually contacted the Nottinghamshire FA and introduced me to the sport. So I, can, I can't thank them enough. They've helped me obviously follow my brain injury, but also they introduced me to the sport, which really saved my life. So to be an ambassador for them is, is absolutely unbelievable. So that is, in a nutshell, Headway Kid. Well, Jack. Talking about these, the experiences and the, the life-changing situation that you went through, there were two different aspects to it because obviously the brain injury is one thing that you had to deal with, but then being released or not being able to play football again um, after having the aspirations from, from four years old of being that's the only thing you wanted to do. There's two big factors there that you have to deal with. And really, it can go either way. So there's, you can talk about experiences from both sides for people with brain injuries or, or even with boys that have probably been released from academies at, at different ages. What advice would you give to people who are currently going through similar life-changing situations? 
there's a few things I think you have to be patient in life it's something that I found very difficult at the start and I still find a bit difficult now but you have to be patient there are opportunities out there for us all and you know when one door closes others open and I understand that it's so hard being released from a club whether it's at 16 18 or as a young pro but there are other opportunities out there within football and also outside of football as well and um, so just be patient be willing to to step out of your comfort zone and seek opportunities and be willing to fail, be willing to mess up and make mistakes and, and, and not do so well. Because I, I honestly believe that you actually grow most through adversity. Um, so step out of your comfort zone, do things that, that scare you a little bit, that really stretch you a little bit. And you can really find out what you're truly capable of achieving. I also think if you've, if you've had a brain injury as well, it's easy to get wrapped up um, in comparing yourself to other people. Um, it's I did it all the time. I compare myself to players I used to play with and against, or friends of mine. And it's, it's not it's not realistic. Compete against yourself. Take accountability of yourself. Take responsibility of yourself in your own life, and say, okay, yeah, I'm a bit behind at the moment. It's going to take a bit of time, but day by day, do the right things. Have some good habits. Set some small goals. Go through those processes to achieve those goals, and eventually, you'll build yourself back up again and be willing to take up those opportunities that come around. And if you are struggling whether you've been released by a club or, or had an injury, a brain injury or another injury similar to mine, then just ask for support. There are so many support networks out there, whether it's at football clubs or psychologists or, or charities, counselling friends, just ask for support. It's something that I wish I did more of at the start. I bottled it up and then that's why I used to get angry and, and drink too much. As soon as I started speaking about these things, and offloading these problems and issues, I found a lot more freer and a lot more energy then to go and do things that I wanted to do rather than being held back all the time um, through that stress and, and, and those mental health problems I was going through. So be patient compete against yourself, always seek the opportunities that there are around you. There's so many opportunities out there in the UK. And if you are struggling, always ask for support. There's some of the, the messages I like to get across to anybody who's had a brain injury or been released by a club. Well, great advice, Jack. Now, moving forward, you have now acquired the, uh, or attained, should I say, you're now an air licence coach. So congratulations on becoming an air licence coach. You cut your teeth in the, in the coaching arena now. You're now England's under-21s egg coach for the, for the CP squad. Tell us a little bit about that. And equally, tell us what motivates you to help players in the squad to, be, to become the best version of themselves. Well, the, the opportunity in itself is 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 unbelievable. Um, it's something that I never ever thought would be would be possible for me. Um, following the brain injury, following problems with my memory and my fatigue, and not being able to actually uh, communicate as well. So to be a coach now is is quite incredible. Hopefully, try and pass on my experiences, and it's given me a new source of motivation since retiring from playing CP football in 2018, which obviously was tough as well. But it's given me more motivation. Obviously, completing my B license my a license and very thankful that i've got the opportunity with the fa to work with the under 21 players and i'll say the thing that drives me on is to try and i want to i want them to achieve more than i have in the game i want them to go and play for their country i want them to go and score in world cups go to paralympic games but also want them to realize that the skills that they develop on the football field as cp footballers they can transfer into other areas of their life it gives you a huge platform being an England player, but I don't think enough 
disability footballers use that platform. They don't go out there and do your speeches or coaching or transfer those skills into other areas of their life. And that's what I really want them to do, to believe in themselves, to achieve not just on the football field, but off the field of play as well. And one of my mottos, as you've probably seen from that FA boot room feature that I was in, is person before player. I think it's a massive thing. It's something that I didn't appreciate um, back in the day, but the best coaches I've worked for, yourself, Keith, a guy called Richard Stevens at, at Birmingham City, who's um, now, I think, head, head coach at West Brom Academy. He always used to find a way of connecting with players finding a way to build that relationship. And he'd spend time with each player, he'd work out their personality type and he'd know how to connect with them. And then in essence, get the best out of them on the pitch. And something I've really tried to take on board. I really try and spend time with my players off the pitch, chatting to them and then trying to provide them the opportunity to excel on the pitch and just generally be a role model for them. I don't want to be the only person who's ever captained Great Britain in the Paralympic Games and gone on to be a disability coach. I want to be one of the first ones of many to go on and achieve amazing things on and off the field. So that's what I want to pass on to any players that I work with in the 21 team. They can achieve so much on and off the field of play. Jack, we had a, a guy on the podcast who was on the show Last Chance You Basketball. He was the of the Netflix show. So uh, John, he, he actually said something that I can relate to there, where you talked about getting to know the players and telling stories, etc. And he had a quote on that podcast where he talked about creating dreamers, having, having players that dream. He said, because everybody dreams about something. And the first thing is, if you've got people that you've worked with that have already achieved something, that can be the, the thing that drives them. So, well, we've already achieved this and we've got this player that has done... X, Y, and Z. We've already had players that have done this. So, but if you've not, if you've not had players that have done that, you've got to inspire them. And you have to make them want to get there and, and dangle carrots in front of them to give them that motivation that they go, I want to do that. I want to achieve it. Now, the players that you work with, are, they're very fortunate that they've got somebody like yourself that has been there and done it and achieved it. But also very obviously... It, great at telling stories and I I get a sense that in terms of motivating your players getting the most out of them and making them go away dreaming it's probably what's going to be taking place I get a I get a real good sense of that now we all have an innate quality to be brilliant in your opinion what is it we can all do to release our individual genius within? You've got to find your passion. Um, I mentioned it right at the start of this podcast today that I was very lucky that I found my passion at four years of age. Some people are still searching for their passion in their 40s and 50s, but I firmly believe that when you find your passion in life, your sense of purpose, your reason for being on, on this planet, it just gives you that energy and that motivation. It really, really does. So seek opportunities, be willing to to make mistakes and and fail in some ways, um, but always be willing to to step out of your comfort zone and do things that stretch you and find that passion. Once you find your passion, I feel like that's how you can unlock that innate quality that we all have, um, because you're motivated to do it. 
Um, you're stepping out of your comfort zone day in, day out. So it gives you that real sense of achievement and motivation every day because you know you're testing yourself and not just living within that comfort bubble. And once you do that, you'll grow, you'll develop, you'll get better and better and better. Um, and I firmly believe that is how you unleash your innate qualities, finding your passion and feeding that passion without a doubt. So, Jack, this passion, uh, you're obviously on that path at the moment where you're following what you believe to be this is your, this is your time. You're on, you're on this line, this timeline now where you're pushing forward and you're motivating, you're extremely inspirational to listen to, and I can understand why, why you're following this route. But, you know, in times or at times in life when we wake up and we sometimes find that we don't have any mojo or energy. So when those times do come around for you, where it's tough, what is it that gets you out of bed? What is it that puts you back online? What is it that you do so that you can, you can get up there and you, you're out there and you're, you're pushing, you're, pushing you, you're driving yourself towards that, that panacea again? I heard a really good um, quote of, of, of somebody during during the lockdown period, and it was all about motivation and discipline. So motivation will, will come and go in your life. You know, we all know that, but that's when you really need to be de-disciplined and develop some key good life habits every single day. So getting up early, you know, doing it, doing your yoga or stretching routine, eating the right things, drinking the right things, influencing yourself with positive things rather than all the negative things around you. Um, so I always I always try and live my life by that way. I have a schedule every day that I try and keep to whether it's going for a walk or or connecting with an old friend or or planning a session for the future and filling my mind with positive things. Um, I think that is vitally important for when the motivation just sort of drops a little bit and you feel a little bit lethargic and a little bit like your energy levels have dropped, which I think over the last two years, I think we've all felt like that with COVID. There's no doubt about that. But if you can get some good habits in your, in your daily routine, I think that can really, really help you to stimulate your body and your mind, help with your well-being. And then when your motivation levels come up or the new opportunity comes your way, bang, you're ready to go and take it because you're looking after yourself physically, mentally and spiritually, looking after your well-being, which is the most important thing in this world. Once you take care of your well-being and you feel 100%, then when opportunities come, you're motivated to take them. So that would be my advice when, when motivation drops, without a doubt. Now, if you had to describe yourself, <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> describe yourself? I don't know. Bonkers, probably. <laughs> I just don't know, really. Um, how would I describe myself? That actually makes me blush a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose, hopefully, um, somebody who's lived lived a full life and lived through lots of challenges, made lots of mistakes, but done lots of good in the world as well. Um, somebody that has hopefully got better over time um, and hopefully can be a role model for people who have gone through really bad experiences in my life, I'd say. That's how I'd try and describe myself. It's very difficult to describe yourself. That's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> well, you've just done it. Did it very yeah. well. Listen, Jack, you're in your relatively young life, what life lessons have you learned that will help you in the future? 
I'll say three things that, that have helped that will help me hopefully and, and help others is that you know you have to be you have to be resilient. Number one goes without saying. Um, I've mentioned it about five times on this podcast, but you know we all go through challenges in life. We all go through difficult moments. But unfortunately, I see way too many people, whether that's students I work with or players that I coach, that end up being defined by a bad experience, and it, it holds them back. It puts a glass ceiling over themselves. They stop dreaming. They stop setting goals and raising their aspirations because they go through failure. They make a mistake. They go through a bad experience. And I always say to them, "Don't be defined by a bad experience. Turn that negative energy into a positive energy." And I found that when I started to do that, when I when I make mistakes or go through a bad time, it doesn't make me unstoppable, of course, but it makes me have this energy that feels like I'm unstoppable and I can go and achieve so many things because I try and be as resilient as I can when I go through a bad experience. So be as resilient as possible. You have to be willing to step out your comfort zone, stretch yourself, um, do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. And the more you do that, all that happens is your comfort zone just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And therefore you're more comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And, you know, I look back 10 years ago, if someone have asked me, you, you'll be able to do your speech without crying. You'd be able to do a football session without having a, a memory glitch or you'd be able to drop in and help somebody else completely selflessly from, from no um, value to you, well, not value to yourself, but no, no benefit to you in terms of money or anything. Like you'll give up your time to help others, which I will always do. I, well, I never would have done that. I never would have been in a position to do that. So I think you've always got to step out of your comfort zone and you'll, that's when you'll really, really see what you're capable of achieving. And finally, you have to have a positive attitude. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. As you know, I love my stories. And this, this guy in the Paralympic Games in Rio in 2016, he completely changed my mindset towards life. He's a, he was a Chinese swimmer. Um, but this swimmer, he had, he had no arms. So completely severed there and there. But he was a world champion and he was a Paralympic champion. And I saw him in the athlete village where he obviously lived for three weeks. And I saw him and he was by himself. And he had his food in front of him. He had some chicken and he had some rice. I remember thinking to myself, well, how's he going to eat his food? You know, he's got no arms. He then proceeded to put his legs on the table. He had a fork in between the toes of one foot. He had a knife in between the toes of another foot. And then he used his feet as hands to cut up his chicken, eat his chicken and eat his rice. And rather rudely, I just stood there, watched him in amazement. And I said to myself, if he can do that, you know, what can I do? If he can do that, what can we all do if we have a positive attitude towards life? And it's something that always stick in my mind. And I always share that story because we're all inspired by different things. But that guy in the Paralympic Games inspired me. So definitely try and have a positive attitude towards life. Jack, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can you be contacted? Um, probably the two best ways, probably Twitter, so at, at JackRutter2, um, and my email, which is hello at jackrutterskillsschool.co.uk. I would say they're the two best ways to, to contact me. Um, you'll find my website there and obviously my Twitter handle as well. Um, so, yeah, they'll be the two best ways to contact me. Jack, I've got to take this opportunity to thank you for taking us on a very short, short journey of your life. But I've also got to thank you for inspiring. You are very charismatic and the energy in your voice is infectious. So the players that you work with, the, the, the people that you mentor, people that you've not met yet, they're going to be extremely 
well, they've got the gift in having Jack Rutter in the life. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. And I now speak on behalf of David as well. This has been truly fantastic. Really enjoyed it. That's very, very kind, Keith. Thank you so much for having you on, having me on, sorry. Um, I've absolutely loved the opportunity to speak with you both. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's very kind of you to say. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at the Gold Dust Coach. Thank you, everybody.